The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Storytelling inspires, engages, and moves people to action. It's a superpower that anyone can learn. Welcome to Story Powered with your host, Leanne Pico. Stories can hold you back, and stories can move you forward. Let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level. Now, here is Leanne Pico. Hello and welcome to Story Powered. I'm Leanne Pico, your host. I'm so glad you could join us today. Today, we are talking about something very important in our lives uh, for all of us who are in business and uh, and basically in life. We're talking about money and we're talking about investing. Uh, we'll be chatting with Stephanie Sims from Financeability about telling your story for investors. Before we do that, though, I want to say thank you to Jim Signorelli of ESW Story Lab for being here last week. Had such a fun chat with Jim about building your brand with story and it, it, yeah, we had a whole conversation about... It going beyond storytelling. So storytelling is a technique, but building your brand from story really helps you live into your brand and it, it comes from a place of, of real authenticity. So it was a really great chat. I really uh, highly recommend you have a listen to it on the on-demand library on the Story Power page. But obviously, I don't want you to go there just yet because I will be talking to Stephanie in a couple minutes. Uh, but before that, I want to do Story of the Week. So this week, um, we're talking about money. As I said, we're talking about investing. We're talking about business. And so this is, a, you know, sometimes when we think about money, we don't think about emotional stuff. And actually, it's all tied in. So I found a, um, it's a story, but it's, it's kind of a, a more of a description for one of my favorite um, kind of marketing business leaders in the world, Seth Godin. So I'm just going to read a a bit that he's written about money. So your story about money is a story about money. Money isn't real. It's a method of exchange, a unit we exchange for something we actually need or value. It has worth because we agree it has worth, because we agree what it can be exchanged for. But there's something far more powerful going on here. We don't actually agree because each person's valuation of money is based on the stories we tell ourselves about it. Our bank balance is merely a number, bits represented on a screen, but it's also a signal and a symptom. We tell ourselves the story about how we got that money, what it says about us, what we're going to do with it, and how other people judge us. We tell ourselves a story about how that might grow, and more vividly, how that money might disappear or shrink or be taken away. And those stories, those very powerful unstated stories, impact the narrative of just about everything else we do. So yes, there's money, but before there's money, there's a story. It turns out that once you change the story, the money changes too. Seth Godin. So I really liked that um, that uh, description by Seth Godin because we are talking about investing today, but um, you know, for those of you who have looked for investment or financing, you know it's personal. 
So, um, you know, our own personal stories do kind of, uh, they do feed into the process. But um, we'll be talking to Stephanie Sims, who will be able to tell us more about that and be able to help us understand, better understand our relationship with money as we move forward and when we're looking for investment for our businesses. So Stephanie Sims is a recovering investment banker and a champion of small business owners. Her 25 years of experience working with firms as big as Goldman Sachs to those as small as her parents' local printing business taught her one thing. The owner's lack of knowledge and interest in finance is often their biggest obstacle to getting funded. Stephanie's on a mission to change the way businesses find money by educating owners about their finance ability and teaching them how the suits operate. She believes that every business owner can grow their dreams and their profits, but they have to know their worth. Stephanie has recently released her first book, Funding Your Business Without Selling Your Soul, and she lives in Arizona with her husband and her three children. Stephanie, welcome to Story Powered, and congrats on your new book. Well, thanks so much, Leanne, and thanks for having me. Um, wow, I had not heard that Seth Godin quote before. And it's pretty it's, good, eh? It's amazing how well it fits into everything we're going to be talking about today. Excellent, excellent. I just realized I called Goldman Sachs socks. I have. I used to live in England, and I have this weird thing with the letter A, Goldman Sachs. So, so yes, for people Goldman who Sachs. are wondering who the heck Goldman Sachs is that Stephanie worked with, it's Goldman Sachs. So, apologies for that. But I'm glad you like that. I, I when I came across it, I thought that I thought similar. And you know, I've I've read Stephanie's book, and it it really ties into a lot of the stuff that you talk about in there, Stephanie. So, but before we get into talking about the details around investors and stories. Tell us your story. Okay. Well, you mentioned some of it. Um, I've had experience on both sides of the investing or the funding game, if you will. Excuse me. I used to work as an investment banker. I then worked in a company that was funded by both venture capitalists and angel investors. And then, as, uh, as we mentioned at the very end, I also worked with my mom and dad to help them sell their company. And it's really funny because during each of those experiences, I learned something about getting companies funded, but it was only after I was trying to help my parents that I realized what a struggle people have, particularly owners, recognizing what they have of value. And that's where the whole concept of financeability and knowing your worth came from. Because a lot of people, when they start a business, don't realize that what they need to be doing is building value. Um, they're looking at it from, okay, but I need to make sure that I can pay my bills this month and I need to look, you know, I need to make sure that uh, I'm getting enough sales and all of the kind of day-to-day aspects of the business. And unfortunately, what happens to them is they only start thinking about what their business is worth at the point in time that they're ready to step away from it. And so generally, it's a, it's a pretty disappointing situation to discover that their business is not worth what they thought it was. And a lot of it, um, a lot of what financeability tries to do is to help people understand those tenants of value, those slices of their pie, which we'll talk about later, um, that can help them build value all along the way. Does that right. make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of uh, back to the Seth Godin, Seth Godin quote, um, you know, that thing about value and about what we see as valuable. And it is a story that we tell ourselves and that we can kind of frame for ourselves, right? It doesn't mean that it's someone else's story of our business. Exactly, and that's, I think that's probably the biggest reason I want to help educate owners is because, unfortunately, they see their value as something that comes from someone else, 
Um, right. You know, and, and to a certain extent, yes, it's true. If nobody's going to pay you that amount, then you have to reevaluate. But they go into the situations feeling kind of hat in hand. You know, yeah. they're looking for money and they walk into the bank and they're like, oh, please give me something. And unfortunately, not only do they sell themselves short when they have a lot more value if they could just recognize it, but they put themselves in a really difficult negotiating position because when you walk in with that attitude, obviously people who understand how the game is played recognize that as someone who's lacking confidence and who doesn't recognize their own worth. And you can get yourself not only um, undervalued, but you can get yourself into some situations that are actually dangerous for you and for your business that way. Wow. I hadn't even thought of it that way. That's really cool to think about how just our attitude can make a difference in terms of whether we get funding or not. And, I, and actually, I, I shouldn't say I hadn't thought of that. I do know that. I was a, a nonprofit executive director for a long time, and, and that's all I did was chase money. And um, the more confident I was in the cause or the more I was able to kind of promote how I would my organization would help people um, beyond my own insecurity like if you leave your insecurities at the door and really talk about your cause like I found I could get money anywhere yep and and it's very funny because it's true in your business as well if you're very clear about what it is you do how you help people and how that's unique the value that that offers then it's a lot easier to convince other people of it because you believe it, right? Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's funny we can talk about this, you know, a little bit later as well, but a lot of people see the funding process as prettying up the pig, right? Putting lipstick on yeah. the pig. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But well, you know what, Stephanie? With, yeah. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say that the thing is, is that partly because we don't understand it, but also because we have this relationship. I mean, that's the relationship we have with banks, right? And people, and even, you know, for, for a lot of owners who are moving from working to ownership, I mean, we're used to asking somebody for money. Like, they give us money every two weeks on Friday at four. And, you know, we have to turn up in order to get that money. And then and then we put it in the bank. And then, you know, we have to ask if we can have a, a good bank account that has good interest. And if we want a little bit more, we have to ask if they could give us some more. Like, we're kind of always in this relationship with money and with authorities who have money, aren't we? Exactly. And it... To me, that's, that's one of the things that resonated the, the strongest with what you said from Seth Godin. It's not even the number itself. It's the story yeah. that you tell yourself about that number. And if you're, for example, not feeling like you're contributing, then you might feel that you, know, you don't deserve, I'm, I'm using air quotes, no one can see yes. that you don't deserve that money. And right. somehow that affects the way that you go into every situation, um, you know, not only, not only looking for money for your business, but even something as simple as going in and asking for a promotion or a raise. I think there's a lot of similarities there because if you're not convinced that you are worth what you're asking for, it's awfully hard to get somebody else to believe it. Right, right. And the other thing, so the other area that, and... Um I know we're talking about investment, but you did talk a little bit about this in your book too, is around your prices. So it's not only with the bank or, you know, if you're an employment position, but we also do it with our clients, right? It's kind of like, oh, wait, oh, I can't really charge that much because they probably won't pay it because, you know, like, I'm not sure that I'm worth that. 
And that's, exactly. that really gets you in a bad spot, right? Right. Well, and part of, part of what I really want to encourage owners to do is to feel good about every aspect of their business, right? To feel like they recognize their worth in all those different aspects. And, and you're exactly right that one of the most important aspects is how you present yourself to your clients and recognizing the value of what you offer them. Right. And and you're you're exactly you're exactly right in the sense that if you're not confident in your pricing, if you're not confident in the value you offer your clients, it's awfully hard to generate a profit, which means it's awfully hard to go and then ask someone to invest in you because it's hard to show them that by investing in you they're going to achieve an, a return on that investment. So it it yeah. makes everything more complicated if you don't start out confident in the value you provide to your customers or your clients. Wow. So how, oh, that's such a, it's such a great point because it's real, it's a real knock-on effect. So, so in terms of that, because we're going to talk a little bit about investors and kind of the, the, um, a little bit more detail about framing your story for investors and things like that. But before we do that, um, after the break, before the break, I'd love to just stay here for a little bit, which is how do you as an owner, so you, you may have left a corporate, Um, lifestyle, or you may have just started your own business, or you may have been in business for a little while. How do you establish that confidence in your value and your worth? Like what, what are some things that you can do to make sure that you're building that along the way? So when you're in a position to ask for money, that you're coming with a real sense of your own value? Like how do people do that for themselves? Well, it's, it's a process. And this is, this is where um, the internet and you know everything online does not necessarily help you because there's so many people out there saying the seven steps to easy profit, the seven oh, steps yeah. to getting money, you know yeah. all those all those crazy things. All you have to do is work for one day, and then somehow your business is just going to magically be valuable. Oh, yeah, and or work and with a particular business coach or follow a particular formula, like you say. Exactly, and what happens is it's very hard not to buy into that because we do see people who've had success with certain formulas or frameworks or whatever, and so we say, oh, okay, well, I just need to do it like he does it or like she does it, and everything's going to be fine. The issue is that there's nobody else who has a business like yours, and so nobody can tell you exactly the right steps to take to make your business valuable because your business is yours. It's not theirs. And so one of the most important things, I think, is getting very clear and very intentional, which is one of the slices of our pie, um, about what it is you want to offer to your clients and where you want that to take you. Uh, A lot of us, I think, fall into, gee, well, uh, this guy said he could use me for this particular project. It's not my main area of expertise, but I need some money, so I'll go do this. And then, you know, another client comes along, and again, it's not the ideal client, but, you know, we need the money, and so we do it. And as a result, we spend our energy and our our time, which is our most valuable resource, not getting clear and not focusing on the people that we really are best qualified to help. So I think that's... I would say say intention is probably one of the biggest places to start. Huge. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Sorry to interrupt you because it drives me crazy. I see all of this and, you know, I'm not um, putting, you know, people down for wanting to make money. Uh, We all want to make money. But if your intention is is only to make six figures and that's I see it all over the place. Make six figures with this. Make six figures with that. And my first question is one is so you get six figures, then what? 
Um, like, what, what's right. life look like? You know, it, it's not enough money to to retire on these days if you're making six figures in one year. So, like, what are you going to do after that? What happens, right? Like, and then the second thing is, I'm thinking, well, why would you limit yourself to six figures? Like, why wouldn't you? And so you get into the like, I just see people getting caught in this thing where it just seems to be about the money, making the money, and and again, we're gonna you know talk a little bit about it after the break but but here's the thing it's what you say about the intention the intention if I went into a business investment meeting and said hey I have this great business I want to make $250,000 are you in what are they going to say to me well they're going to ask you how right right like anyone can come in and throw numbers around right but if they don't have something to hold on to that that helps them identify with why you're unique and why your business is going to be different from the 50 other ones they saw that day. Right. As soon as you walk out the door, they'll have forgotten who you are anyway, even if you did say $250,000. Right, which is why your story is so crucial, right? Exactly. Yeah, and that's where the intention is formed and where it's shared in a way that is is something that can be remembered and also that somebody can really get a grip on. Yep. Is that right? Exactly. You're the one who does. I'm. I'm making the assumption because I'm. I of course I'm all about story and I'm story obsessed. So I think it's the um, answer to all world problems. But <laughs> but it just strikes me is that you know that's because we can remember stories and because like you say there's 50 other people that have stood in front of the investors. What is it that makes you look different or well, stand out? And what is it that you can get behind? I mean that's the other piece you always want to remember is what feels true and right for you. Right, And so you don't want to make up a story to tell to the investors that doesn't fit with what your business is really about. Of course. Of course. But really, in terms of running your business and why you're in it, how you're, gonna, you're going about it, um, your passion, your, your um, commitment to whatever change you're trying to make in the world, those all are part of the story, right? Exactly. And the, I don't want to say the more personal, the better, but the more you connect with what it is that you tell as your story, the more genuine it is, and there's a little secret here, the better it works for everyone. Because you don't want to be out there telling a different story to, this is the story I tell to investors, this is the story I tell to clients, this is what I say to my employees. If you're telling the same story all the time, and it's coming from your heart, then what you're going to do is you're going to attract people who really are invested in that mission, right? People who really want to believe that you can achieve what you're telling them you can. And sometimes it may be a vendor who hears your story and says, oh, you know what? The other day I was talking to this guy and he said he had some money to, excuse me, some money to invest. Why don't you talk to him? And right. that opens up a door for you, nice warm connection, right? Yeah. And someone who heard your story. Right. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier too, which was about, you know, we can sometimes when we're starting out or when we're running our businesses and not very uh, intentional, that we just take on whatever client comes because there's some money on the table. Right. And what you're saying is there's that same danger with investors. Exactly. And and some of some of what you need to do is be intentional, not only about your clients, but you have to be intentional about the investors and the partners that you're looking for in your business. And so, and, and I love this because if you're telling us a particular story, then you're saying that it resonates with certain people and then it creates a synergy. 
before you even start talking about the numbers. Is that right? Exactly. Because if, if you've got, think of it this way, uh, who's, who are the best sources of new clients? They're the clients you have who love you already, who are out there saying, oh my gosh, I know exactly who does this, and guess what? You need to talk to Leanne about this. Right? right. Those are the best clients you could ever get because That's right. they've already come to you with, from somebody who knows exactly what you do. And the investor world is exactly the same in that if an investor gets to know you by someone who's very excited about what you offer, the chances that they're going to be interested are significantly higher than if you're just out there cold calling them and sending them you know, documents and they're like, oh, great, add it to the pile. <laughs> Yeah, another business plan. Excellent. Right. <laughs> oh, that's right. great. Thanks, Stephanie. So we've we've kind of started digging into the importance of story, but we're going to take a break now. And when we come back, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into uh, the idea of story and in creating your story for investors. And, and we're going to hear from Stephanie about her own particular formula for uh, and, and ideas really for maximizing um, your story around your value. So I'm Liam Pico, and you're listening to Story Powered on the Voice America Business Channel. If you want more story, you can sign up for my monthly story blast at verygoodstories.com. I'd love to connect with you and we'll be back very soon. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com. Or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, Connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hello, welcome back. Glad you're here with us. I am chatting today with Stephanie Sims of Financeability. And uh, Stephanie is also the author of Funding Your Business Without Selling Your Soul. Absolutely love that title. Um, because again, I know I've I've talked about it before. I was a nonprofit di- executive director for many years, and constantly looking for money, and I constantly came into um, situations where I had to make decisions about um, the kind of money I was looking for and who I wanted to um, invest in the organization that I was running. And it's it's uh, sometimes you can feel a little desperate about your money. And uh, it, it's it's a really great book that um, I've had the pleasure of reading. So I highly recommend it. You can get it on Amazon. Um, but before the break, I was talking to Stephanie about investors and story and about the fact that, um, you know, your story comes first, really. And as Stephanie was saying, it was really... As a story coach, I always say this, but it's so nice to hear her say it too, which is your story is your story. And you have lots of different stories. So I just want to clarify that. You've got lots of different stories about your business, about your yourself. But your story of 
the value of your business and about what you're trying to change in the world should be consistent. Why are you doing this and what are you trying to achieve? Um, so then we were talking about talking to investors and, and about um, – you know, what your confidence level is and how you value yourself when you go into the room. So, however, sometimes when you go into the room, it feels like you're on another planet, um, especially if you, your, uh, your business isn't focus, focused on money, it's not focused on finance. They can have a whole other language. And I love, Stephanie, your, what's your, um, your analogy for that in your book? Yeah, we talk about the fact that the suits speak Klingon. Which right. is all these crazy finance words that, if you haven't worked in the industry, um, actually don't seem to mean what they actually mean. So it's, it can be very confusing. And that's one of the biggest places that I think um, people get intimidated, if you will, yeah. because as soon as they get in front of what, what I call the suits, which are just the people who are able to give you money, they hear all these crazy words, you know, underwriting and, you know, debenture and equity investor and partnership agreement. And, and a lot of people immediately, their eyes start to glaze over and they say to themselves, I'm out of my league here. I don't understand any of this and I must just take what I can get and run. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, we, we are all familiar with going into the bank and sitting in the chair feels like the little kid's chair. I don't know what it is when you go into your bank manager, but you feel like you're in kind of kids school in school again, sitting with the teacher, right? And we yeah. kind of, there's a, like I said before, we have like a remembrance of that relationship. So when you're going in there, feeling that anyway, potentially, but also business is so personal. Like it is your, if you've been working your guts out and, and, you know, 24 seven, and you just need just somebody to invest to take us to the next level. It feels so personal. And then they're talking a different language. Like, how do, you, how do you overcome that? Well, I think that the first thing you have to do is decide that you can learn this. Okay? Right. Because if you're smart enough and you're dedicated enough to own your own business, you've got some guts. You know, you're, you, need to, you need to recognize that you're already um, head and shoulders I don't want to say above, but apart from a lot of other people. Just, you know, they're not, they're not the most recent statistics, but they're the most recently available statistics, um, say that there's only about 29 million businesses, small businesses, in the U.S., right? So that's like right. less than 10% of the population that right. owns their own business. So you're already in a pretty select group by deciding to take on that responsibility. So, you know, right. first off, you need to recognize that and own it. But I think the second piece is that you need to realize, just like when you started your business, you may not have known anything about marketing. Right. But to make your business work, you jumped in, you educated yourself about marketing, and then the most important piece, you just got out there and tried it. You weren't waiting until it was perfect. You just took what you had learned and applied it and then started to learn from that. Yeah. Thank you. I love how you just said that because all aspects. I mean, I... um, my biggest, uh, I always lament and wonder where my IT department went whenever it comes to. It's like, oh, I used to have people. Where's my people? Where's my marketing people? Where's my IT people? Where's my money people? I'm it, right? And so, like you say, there's a serious learning curve. And even when we've grown our business um, and can start hiring people, we've still had to learn something. So, I love that you're kind of reaffirming the entrepreneurial ability 
to figure it out. Right. Well, and the beauty of understanding it well enough is that even if you understand it well enough to know that you don't want to do it, <laughs> right. know, not, not right. everybody wants to keep their own books. That's completely yeah. fine. But right. you need to understand bookkeeping well enough so that when you hire someone to do it, whether they're an employee or a contractor or whatever, you can tell if they're doing the job correctly and if they're giving you the information that you need to make good decisions. Okay, so let's talk about then. So that's a really great point. So then we move on to thinking about investors. And so here I am, I've run, I've run my business for two or three years. It's at a certain level. I'm ready to scale it. I, I have a, I've done a bit of research. I, I kind of know about all those kinds of things. But maybe what I don't know is about the investment field. So how do I find out more? Like where, where would I find out? And obviously worth working with somebody like yourself because you, um, you work with clients on that. Um, but how do you figure out which investor is right for you or how to go about finding the right people? I mean, I don't even know where I would go to find investors. Okay. And, and that's, that's part of the issue too because there are so many options. I think what happens sometimes is people get overwhelmed by the number right. of options and they're like, okay, yeah. you know what? This is the option I understand. Let's I'm going to ask this. my mom. <laughs> right, exactly. Forget it's it. Kind of Forget like, it. It's kind of like walking into a shopping mall in a foreign country and you're like, right. I don't know what any of this is, but that at least looks like McDonald's. I right. that exactly. That's why everybody eats at McDonald's. You're so right. Well, it's and true. It's, it's, a, it's sad but true. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. why, for example, on the Champs-Élysées in Paris... I don't know yeah. that it's still there, but there used to be a McDonald's, which yep, you know, there seems, is. it seems to be a travesty to me, but, you know, there it is, and because a, that's where plenty of people are. And it's full of people. Yes. Because but, you know, they do, sell, they do sell different stuff. They sell Le Big Mac. So exactly. it is. <laughs> it's Le Big Mac. So they are having foreign food. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. And, and it doesn't always taste the same. That's true. No, that's right. That's right. So, but, but how, but, so then where do they start? Where do they start well, I to think one of, the, one of the most important places to start is to understand what you're willing to offer to an investor. Because there are really two different types of investors. Uh, and this is a very big picture. You know, inside each type, there are plenty of variations. Right. But really, there are investors who are worried about not losing money. And those are what I yeah. call the faint of hearts. Okay. okay. So those are, yeah. those are people who are going to be more like your bank. And what they're going to do is they're going to loan you money on the basis of your being able to repay it. Okay, okay. so they're not, they're not really focused on long-term success of your business. I mean, they want you to be successful, clearly, but they're not focused on, geez, are you going to sell this thing for $10 million in five years? Oh, okay, right. They want to understand how much money comes in the door each month and can you pay me back. Okay. Okay, so they're really focused on your ability to repay them and they don't like, as the name denotes, faint of heart, they don't like a ton of risk, okay? Okay, these are, so... These are yeah. the people that... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. But so I'm just wondering, because I, I just wanted to... Uh, the, sorry, I'm just questioning. So we talk about your consistent story about who your... About what your business does and why and, and why you're doing it. But are you going to adjust your story, not your fundamental story, but adjust your strategic story for them? Well, what you're going to do is you're going to decide where your story fits best. Okay. Right? So you start because, with your story. 
and go there. But if I'm looking at, if I'm looking at, because I guess I was wondering, what I was wondering there was if somebody's faint at heart that I'm not going to say, yeah, and you know what, this business is going to be like, you know, there's going to be 20 million people that'll be, you know, happily using this new product in, in, in 10 years. That's not going to resonate with them, right? Well, I think it would be helpful, right. but it's, it's certainly not the headline, if you will. Okay. Okay. The headline Thank with you. them would be, for the last 12 months, my sales have been steadily increasing, and I always average at least $10,000 per month, knowing that the, the amount that you're going to want to borrow needs a payment significantly below that number. Okay, thank you. Does that make sense? Because yeah. what, you're, what, you're wanting to do, what you're wanting to do is cater to their particular perspective on risk and reward. Right. And so since Thank these guys you. don't That's like a lot of risk, you're going to focus more on the reward part. Yeah, yeah, because you could still have the same story. Like, I guess what I'm wondering is you, you might go to them still. You might go to them as well as the other type that you're going to talk about in a sec, but you might go to both, but you're just kind of shifting the um, evidence that you're providing, I guess. Right. Well, and, and the truth is that depending on what kind of money you're looking for and who you feel most comfortable with, it may be that one or the other type is not right for you at all. Okay, right. So it's, it's completely possible that you would never talk to the faint of hearts because yeah. they're just not a good fit for the type of business that you have, which is okay, a business so. that's looking for a bigger reward, but that has a lot more risk. Okay, so I'm a gambler. I'm a risk. I love risk. I'm going for it. Who am I going to talk to? You're going to want to talk to the high rollers, which is what right. we call the equity investors. That can be a venture capitalist. That can be an angel investor. That can also be uh, something that's come to the market recently, which is called equity crowdfunding. The biggest difference between these two types of people is your relationship with them after they give you the money. Ooh, okay? okay, Because the fate of hearts, basically they're going to give you the money, and because they feel confident that you can repay them, they're going to take a pretty hands-off approach with you. They're going to be like, okay, well, you know, send me a quarterly statement. Let me know how you're doing. And as long as you're paying, everything's fine. Right. A high roller, on the other hand, is your partner. It's like getting married. And so what they're going to want to do is they're going to want to be a lot more involved, not only in how things are going, but in the decisions that you're making going forward. Meaning... Whoa. If you're thinking about developing a new product, they're going to want to be involved in that, and they're going to want to give you their opinion about which type of new product you should or should not develop. Okay, and- so can I just ask you, because I'm just wondering about the characteristics, so these two characters. So you've got Faina Hart and you've got the High Roller. Is the amount of money they're giving you different, or is it really mostly about um, just the, like you say, just the relationship? Like, could, could this it be the same amount of money? Or is it generally the high rollers are like high rolling? Exactly. Generally speaking, the high rollers are looking to invest more because they're looking to win more. You know, that's, right. their, that's their game plan is that because they're partnering with you, you're going to build this into a huge business and sell it to Amazon or Apple or, you know, yeah. take it public, something like that. And that's how they're going to hit their home run. So right. they're not always the same amounts of money. However, with equity crowdfunding, which we mentioned, I mentioned just a few minutes ago, there is an opportunity now for smaller investors, people who would be investing you know, less than, say, $10,000, to band together to invest in a company. So the, okay. the landscape is really changing. Before, what happened was the high rollers were predominantly used for you know, $250,000 to 
10 million type investments and the faint of hearts were more, uh, you know, somewhere between 25,000 and that 250,000 mark, although they did also do sometimes higher, higher investments. With the online space, and especially with the advent of, of equity crowdfunding, the number of people who are actually able to invest as a high roller is going to go up, and so the amount of money that each person will invest is also going to be smaller. So I think it's going to be a very interesting dynamic to see how it all plays out because there's now going to be two types of investors, two types of high rollers, if you will, what I would call the professionals, you know, which are the venture capitalists, those guys who are still going to want to invest 250000 or more. But you're also going to have this other category of people who maybe are even more attracted and affected by your story and who have less money to invest but who might be more amenable to, to taking a chance on you if they really believe in what you're doing. And so would they, um, it's kind of like the Kickstarter or the crowdfunding, right? It's yes. a similar model? It's a similar model. The only difference is that instead of the Kickstarter model where you give $100 and I give you a copy of the film when it's released or, you know, a copy of the album or I give you a T-shirt or some sort of prize, which is that model, yeah. you actually own, in, in the equity crowdfunding model, you give me $1,000, say, and you actually own stock in my company. Right, right. And so this is the thing, because um, I'm just going to test my assumption here, which is that you're not going through the whole, as much um, of the rigor of the other two kind of investors, the higher level investors. And so your story would probably be the most important aspect, wouldn't it? Exactly. Of, of that kind of investment? Exactly, and that's what's happening. It's also happening on the faint of heart side. There are um, platforms now where you can borrow from other individuals. For example, it's called peer-to-peer lending. And in that type of a forum where basically the connection that you're making is online and on some sort of landing page where people can read your story, see your video, and help help them understand why you need this money, your story becomes not just a nice thing to have, it becomes the principal source of information for them. Right. Wow. That's become big, eh? Because, you know, we assume for those of us who don't aren't living in, in um, finance world, uh, we assume the numbers say everything. But, but what you're saying is they really don't. The numbers have to be there for sure, but it, the story has to tell like the story has to be supported by the numbers rather than the other way around. Is that right? Exactly. And, and the truth is, whether you're talking to what I would call a professional investor or you're going to go the equity crowdfunding route or you know online lending, that's always the case. As you move up towards higher dollar amounts, clearly the numbers take on more importance You know, because if somebody's going to invest $250,000 with you, they want to do a lot more checking than if somebody's going to invest $1,000. But the numbers are always, I would say they're always more of a supporting role, if that makes sense. They're there to back up the story that you're telling, as opposed to those numbers being the story. So you're talking, so again, just in my, um, uh, we got about uh, probably about 45 seconds to break, but I just wanted to share this quick example, which I think um, 
speaks to what you're talking about, which is when I was I was running local nonprofits, we used to um, do proposals and applications for money, so very similar to investment stuff. And we'd apply for five thousand pounds or five thousand dollars or whatever. And I still remember um, I worked at a national level and I worked with um, a government, and I remember sharing a story of a young person at the time I was running a youth agency, sharing a story about a young person who had whose life had changed because they were at risk and then they got involved in volunteering and it was a particular thing. And I still remember the government person saying, send me a one pager. Love the story. Just wanted the one pager. And I got a hundred thousand pounds per year for three years for that. And I had done less work <laughs> in the 10 minutes. And, and, but basically the story made sense and he liked me. He liked my passion. And then I had to send the one pager, which was the idea. And then I sent the numbers that showed that the organization was solid financially, that our growth was projected, that we could manage the money and all of that kind of stuff. But I still remember that moment when I thought, my God, I've been uh, spending all these hours applying for five grand. And in 10 minutes, I got a ridiculous amount of money. Is it kind of like that? Is that an it's, overstretch? <laughs> uh, well, I don't. I don't want people to think that you know the very first time no, you tell no. your story, somebody's going to say, "Oh, great, let me no, write no. a check." No, no, that's not but, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I think that that there, what you had was you had kind of this perfect storm of events, which is you were extremely passionate and genuine with the story you were telling. Yes, right. It was something you clearly believed in, and you were able to communicate that passion in a way that was logical for the entity you were talking to. Right. It was clear how they could help you. That's and right. so it just made it seem like a logical fit. And at that point, the numbers became secondary because they were like, yes, this is what we need to be doing. And let me be clear. I told a particular story for a particular reason because I knew what he was looking for. Right. <laughs> it wasn't just some random thing. So, okay, thank you, Stephanie. That's great. And no, just because you wander around telling people your story, they're not going to give you money. It's, it was a, a very particular perfect storm, like Stephanie says. So we're going to need to take a, a break time and get a break again. You're listening to Story Powered with me, Liam Pico, and my guest, Stephanie Sims. You can get Stephanie's book, Funding Your Business Without Selling Your Soul, on Amazon or on her website at finance ability.com. We're going to talk about the how in terms of creating your story and, and the elements that go into it when we come back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com. Or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, 
Connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Hello, welcome back. I'm Leanne, and I am having a fantastic conversation and, and very sad that we're in the last segment of the show. I'm talking with Stephanie Sims of Financeability, and we're talking about telling your story for investors. Um, before the break, I left you hanging and all excited because I, I gave you an example of when I got a whole bunch of money. And I just want to return to that for a second because it was a good example of when I um, was a nonprofit leader and, and how, you know, when I was thinking – uh, how do I put this? It's not that I wasn't thinking big, but I was, you know, we get focused on going for that little bit of money. And I was just kind of giving the example that sometimes you get the big money, but you need to really know what you're talking about and you really need to be passionate and your story is really crucial. But one of the things that we're ending with that I wanted to come back to and want to invite Stephanie to comment on is the the idea that I told a story that I knew would get the guy that I was talking to because I I had done my research on what it was the home office in UK at the time I knew what they were looking for so I knew exactly what story would fit and what um you know what project or what idea would fit what they were looking for and I just want to return to that stuff and we talked a little bit about it before but how important is research before like you have your story and you you got your your kind of solid story but what do we have to do to find out who is going to connect with our story? Well, that's, that's a great point. And we had, we had chatted about this before when we were talking before, before the show, um, about how important it is to find somebody who's going to be receptive to right. the story that you're telling, right? Um, th- think of it this way. If, if you approach an investor whose only interest is getting 40 times their money. They're really 100% focused on the money. And your business is a social enterprise. So you're not profit-driven exclusively. What you really are is you're trying to marry profit with social change. Right. The chances of you getting any money from that guy who's just looking for a 40 times return is pretty small. So you're wasting your time and you're wasting his time. Right? And possibly impacting your own confidence, right? Exactly. Like, like we were talking about before, it's hard enough to go into a room where you might not know all the, the movers and shakers and details and language, but then to put yourself in that position to be knocked back is not good. Exactly. And, and that's where the research comes in. Once you understand what you have to offer, the value that you have, what I call your worth, then what you want to do is you want to go and look for investors' suits as I call them, who seem to appreciate that value. Because just like every business is unique, every investor is unique. Okay, they all have their little quirks, they all have their, um, you know, pet projects and things like that. And the good news is now that we all have multiple social media profiles and there are things like AngelList, which is a place where investors actually publish a profile of the types of investments that they're looking for. Sorry, can you tell us where that is? Where's AngelList? Is that a website? It is a website. You can find it, excuse me, you can find it at angel, A-N-G-E-L dot co. And it's called AngelList because originally it was a place for individual angel investors, that's people who invest their own money in companies, to go and meet companies that were looking for money. But it's now evolved and it's, it's grown a little bit. There are syndicates, there are other types of investors present there as well as venture capitalists and um, venture accelerators are also there. 
it's a great place to start looking at the universe of investors. And once you know what you have to offer, it's a great place to start saying, okay, this looks like somebody that I would actually enjoy working with, that I could get along with, and who seems like they would appreciate what I'm trying to do. Which strikes me as something so important, especially if you're going for the bigger, those high roller types. If it's going to be a partnership or a marriage, you're going to want to like them, right? Exactly. And, and it's really funny because this is something I say sort of flippantly, but, but it's true. You have to see risk and reward in the same way as your partner. Right. You, you can't really successfully partner up with somebody who likes to jump out of airplanes if you don't even like to ride roller coasters. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. They say opposites attract, but it well, not sometimes compatibility is 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 uh, is is much more important for a long term relationship, right? Right. Well, and and I think that excitement, while it plays an important role in maybe a personal relationship, excitement and surprise are probably not the key factors you're looking for in a in an investment partnership. No, well, I'm either probably, but I think you're right. Like that's the bit where I can just see. You know, somebody who likes to jump out of planes, um, investing in a business that has really solid, like family business, been around for 50 years and looking to scale up, but maybe not too far. Like I, I can just see an immediate mismatch could could really um, damage relationships. Right. Well, and create a lot of unnecessary tension. Right. Right. It's hard That's, enough, right? It's money. It's hard enough. Exactly. It's, it's hard enough. There are things that are going to be difficult to, to decide together if you both see things the same way. But if you already start from different ends of the spectrum, it, it's going to be awfully hard to meet somewhere in the middle. Right. Okay. So let's talk about, so first, so what Stephanie's talking about is compatibility. Do your research, find out, like, honestly, just like everything else, like we talked about, you, you, we learn how to market. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I've spent hours reading business books, listening to podcasts, researching, et cetera, on how to, you know, create that business funnel, et cetera, et cetera. Investing is the same thing. Do your research, find out about it, find out enough so that you can make a deci- uh, an informed decision and then do your research on who would be likely to meet you in the middle and be be inspired or um, interested in your story. So then, Stephanie, so what are the key elements of creating your story for investors? And I wanted to, um, you've been talking about pie a lot, and so I've been thinking a lot about cherry pie, pumpkin pie, but I'm thinking you're not meaning that pie. And I wanted, yeah. I wanted to come back to it because you kind of have a philosophy in your book and in, your, in the way you do business around pie. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, that would be great. Um, yes, it it sounds like the pie you eat, but it's not actually the pie you eat. What pie stands for, it's just an acronym for the three pieces or slices of value that your business needs to contain. The first one is profit. So you need to be able to generate not only high profits, but consistently and stable consistently growing, preferably, but consistent and stable profits. So P is the first profit, first slice. I is something we already talked about, which is intention. So you need to know where you're going in your business, right? You need to have a vision, not only of who you want to help and how, but also of do you want this thing, as you mentioned earlier, Leanne, to turn into a product that 20 million people are going to buy, or would you prefer to stay small and work in your local area? That's important not only for you, but it's also going to be important as part of your story, right? Because you're going to want to attract somebody who sees the vision, who sees your future, excuse me, that same way. Right. So, you know, that, that intentional piece is important 
not only for you to, to understand where the value comes from in your business, but also for you to be able to explain it to someone else. Yeah. So that's right. the second I, intention. The third, that's the first I, sorry, the second letter, the first I, intention. The third letter, which is also an I, not an E, like in the pie we eat, the second I is independence. And this is something that's really, really hard for those of us who started a business completely on our own or maybe with somebody in our family. Your business, to be valuable to somebody else, needs to be able to run without you. And it's awfully hard because most of us are like, oh, but, but it's my baby, but I'm the one who takes care of it, but I'm the center of this universe. And while all that is true, the honest approach is that there are things that you are very good at that are important to your business, but you're not good at everything. Right. And so what you need to do is you need to evaluate what's the best and highest use of your time and find other people to help you do all the other pieces of your business so that you can focus on that best and highest use. That's what making your business independent really means. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And for an investor, you know, because it's that, um, and you talk about it in your book, and I always talk about it too, it's the run out, getting run over by a bus thing, right? Sure. Like it, your investor needs to know if you were run over by a bus that your business could carry on. Exactly. And and a lot of people are like, yeah, but you know, I don't want to be a, I don't want to have a partner. If I ever take money, it's just going to be a loan anyway. So yeah. the bus factor happens even for people who don't take quote partners. Right. Because think about your family. If you get yeah. hit by a bus, yes, you, you want to worry about your investment partner, but ultimately you also are worried about your family. You want to make sure that your family can continue to benefit from this business you've created, even if something happens to you. Yeah. So independence is, while people say, oh, it's, it's crucial for investment, it is, but it's also crucial for running a business that can do what it was supposed to do, which is support you and your family. It's true. It's true. And you know what? I just, um, I, as you know, I had to uh, postpone this, this show uh, for a couple of weeks because I did my back in and nothing like not being able to work because I couldn't sit at a computer for more than five minutes or sit at a desk. That made me realize and I have and I am currently looking at my own business model because of it because it's kind of, you know, whoa, that because because that independence, although you might, it's great to feel independent. It ties into your money story if you're not able to earn. Right? Right. And the beauty of having people who are willing to help you is that you get to practice your story on them. Right. Because that's one of the ways you'll attract to them, right? Is, okay, hey, you know what? I've got this great idea and I could really use your help. Yeah. You get to practice your story. And that creates that sort of ripple effect, right? If they start working for you, maybe just as a contractor, so they're not your employee, they work with other people too, you never know who they can go and tell your story to that might also either be a good client, another potential vendor, or an investor. Absolutely. So the three elements for your kind of, you've got your, your, for your overall, because we've got about uh, uh, just a couple more minutes until the end of the show. So the three elements, these are kind of like your overall investor story, like the elements for bringing your story to investors. We've got profit, we've got intention, and we've got independence. Exactly. Okay. So those are the three things. And so um, those three things work together to create an attractive investment story overall. Is that right? Exactly. And what's really, what's really interesting is that even though the suits call them different things, each of these three elements are the pieces you need to put into a good business plan or into a good presentation 
to get in front of investors. They want to know how you're going to make money, right? They want to understand your profit structure. They also want to understand your vision. A lot of times they call it your mission statement. And they want to know that you have teams and systems. Right. They just call them different things. But if you can organize them in your head using the PI framework, I think it might make it a little easier for you to get to your story so that then when you're ready to tell it, if you change the language a little, it's not, it's not so complicated. Awesome. That's, that's amazing. Thank you, Stephanie. I really appreciate that. I think I feel so much clearer about investors. I was a little nervous about this show because I don't know lots about it. Um, I do know lots about getting money. So I guess I, I realized that I know more than I thought I did, which is the case for all of you who are out there running your own businesses. You know more than you think. So Stephanie, I want to thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge today. Really appreciate you being here. Well, thank you so much for having me, Leanne. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And um, thanks to everyone who's listening. I appreciate uh, you taking the time to listen. Absolutely. And we'll have to have you here again. So don't forget that Stephanie's book is called Funding Your Business Without Selling Your Soul. And you can get that on Amazon. You can also chat with Stephanie at um, or follow up with her at finance-ability.com. So make sure you tune in for next week's show. And I'll be talking to Jay Golden of Waking Star Storyworks. And we'll be talking about crafting your core story. So I think we've done this in maybe in the wrong order, but maybe the right order. Um, so next week, you'll be whether you're a solopreneur or leader of a big corporation or a nonprofit, the show's for you. What's your story? Let's find out. Um, and don't forget to sign up for my weekly story blast at verygoodstories.com I send you lots of tips and resources and a story from me so Story Powered is on every Tuesday at 1pm Eastern Time and 10am Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel thanks for joining me Liam Pico and Story Powered I'll see you next week with more story thank you for joining us this week for Story Powered Leanne Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help take your story and your business to the next level.